Hi, everybody. Thanks for uh, being here to listen to me. Uh, uh, I have to indulge and uh, just do my best Godzilla impersonation here because <laughs> why, why not? It's been a long time dream of mine and I can finally do it up on stage here. Um, so my, uh, my talk is called Social Solutions to Social Networking. Um, I am a technologist. Uh, that's a bunch of places where you can find me on the internet uh, and, uh, and contact me. I'll give you a little bit of background about who I am and kind of why I'm here on stage right now. Um, so as Severin mentioned, uh, I made bots mostly on Twitter for about five years, like 2012 to 2017. Uh, uh, and the bots all say things, uh, like they're, there's a, they, they're generative art, essentially. Some of them tell jokes, some of them uh, make just more serious art. Some of them act as curators. Um, these are some of the more jokey ones. Uh, uh, oftentimes I'll look at a meme that's popular on Twitter, for example, and then I'll figure out a way to automate it using not artificial intelligence, but usually fairly simple algorithms. We've got uh, a roof slapping bot. It says, says up there, slaps roof of a church. This bad boy can fit so many spiritualities in it. Um, two headlines was a bot that uh, took two different news headlines that were like trending and then swapped the um, subjects. Uh, so that one says CNBC editor asked Siri, Alexa, and Prince Harry if they're spying on him. Here's what they said. Um, and then uh, a bunch of sort of meme generating bots and, uh, and that sort of thing. So um, I made probably 70, 80 of these over the course of a few years. Uh, and this was kind of like my primary artistic uh, endeavor. Uh, and I really enjoy bots as a medium because they're, uh, I see them as like a performance art, but done by a computer algorithm. And uh, they also live in the space where people are. So you don't go to a gallery to see them or anything like that. They're just there in your space. So it's kind of like a public performance happening in that sort of town square place that, uh, that Cab was talking about earlier. Um, I also co-run a creative technology studio called Field Train. We've done things, software for uh, This American Life and the people who make Dungeons and Dragons, and we made a, a poetry bot for The New Yorker that uh, it sends a poem to you once a day. It's, it's, it's pretty nice. Um, and, uh, and then the reason why I'm really standing up here is uh, I did this fellowship, which uh, finished uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, I'm actually uh, speaking directly against one of the other fellows in my cohort right now, so uh, you're missing out on Gabby. But um, uh, I was working on problems of, uh, of decentralized and community-owned social networking uh, as part of a Mozilla fellowship uh, funded through the Ford Foundation and uh, uh, embedded with an organization called Code for Science and Society, which uh, owns, kind of owns a few projects that are related to this space. Uh, I traveled the world, I interviewed people who were involved in small community-owned social network sites and services, and I also worked and built a lot of my own core technology as well. Um, I released some software tools and some blog posts, but also over the year, I ran and maintained a small social network site called uh, FriendCamp. Uh, this is sort of redacted to protect the, uh, the innocent, but... Um, uh, FriendCamp is based on a piece of software called Mastodon, which is kind of an open source Twitter clone. Uh, but it's a decentralized open source Twitter clone. And since decentralization is a pretty abstract concept, what I want to do is take a few moments, moments to explain what a decentralized social network service is 
in the most concrete terms that I can, which is like messages go from this box to that box, and, that, and this is where they, they all are. So I'm just going to take a moment to explain this, uh, the, the wonderful world of federation or decentralization. So this is a server. FriendCamp, as a website, lives on a server. It's a computer, which means it's a piece of metal with etchings on it, and you put electrons in it, and the electrons all move around, and it's connected to the internet through, you know, the phone or whatever. I don't know. Um, these are people. Uh, these people also have their own computers. Some of those computers might be desktop computers or laptops, uh, phones, that kind of thing, their own computing devices. Um, and these people are the, uh, the people with a login to this server, which, by the way, this server is a computer that I own. Um, I own this server. This is not something, uh, it, it's essentially a computer that I have full control over. And that's important, I'll get into that later. Uh, so these people connect to this server. And this is, FriendCamp is a, is a closed um, site. So we have about 50 active people on there. That's out of 80 total accounts. Um, but uh, we're not alone on this network. It's not just a tiny closed network where 50 people talk to each other because it's part of a much bigger network of servers that all talk to each other. So FriendCamp, maybe it's that cluster on top up there, and we might be connected to a server with its own group of 50 people. And then that server is connected to a bunch of other groups of 50 people. And eventually, um, we all start to, to grow out this network of small servers all connected to one another. Uh, and then all of a sudden, we have this local context, which might be when my 50 friends log in to friend.camp to start posting things on the Twitter-style interface, but they have access to many other people. So even though we're 50 people on FriendCamp, we have access to, by my, at my estimate, about 500,000 other like, user accounts out there, distributed across about 10,000 uh, servers. Um, and so uh, the interesting thing about FriendCamp, which is uh, based on this software that I mentioned called Mastodon, but it actually has a, a key um, uh, moder a modification to it uh, is the ability to choose whether you participate on that big network on the left-hand side or just on the small network on the right-hand side. So you can kind of flip a switch and have it act as uh, a, a small group chat or as a, a big kind of Twitter-style experience. The interesting thing is, even as a group chat, it's all mediated through a computer that I own. So the privacy policy for FriendCamp is, you trust your friend Darius Kazemi with your data. That's like our privacy policy, essentially. There's more words than that, but that's what it comes down to. Um, and you know, if uh, I do something bad with your data, then that sucks on my part, and we're not going to be friends anymore, and we're going to have a big argument about it, but it'll be different than waking up one morning and finding out that Facebook leaked all your data somewhere, and you're like, well, I guess that's life. Um, so you have a little bit more agency there, because like, you can show up to my house and yell at me, because you know where I live, because you've been to my house, um, because we're friends. Um, so that's kind of a, an overview of friend camp and decentralization. At the end of my fellowship, I decided to publish a kind of online guidebook and essay that summarized everything that I learned from running this FriendCamp site for about a year. Uh, and that guidebook is called Run Your Own Social. It is available at runyourown.social. Um, and it's uh, meant to be like a technology-neutral guide to running a small online social network community. 
And I'm not going to recap the entire thing here. You can go there and, and read the whole thing. It maybe takes about an hour to read. Um, uh, and I encourage you to check it out on your own time. Um, but what I am going to do with my remaining time here is extract a few salient points uh, from the essay and expand on them a little bit. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm going to do now. Um, one of the things that I've noticed by running a, a, a piece of software for about 50 people is that a lot of the um, assumptions that we make about software design uh, hinge on this idea of can it scale, right? When I tell especially other software engineers about FriendCamp, they go, well, can it scale? And I go, well, it doesn't have to scale. I'm not going to have more than 50 users. We're basically already maxed out here. And, and they go, okay, that's weird. And, and that usually ends the conversation. And <laughs> um, uh, but one thing that I realized running this is that, like, you know, because I'm trained as a programmer and a software designer, and so much of the stuff that you learn when you're doing this is based on the idea that your software is going to have to be pushed out to thousands or tens of thousands or millions of people, and it's going to have to be easy for each one of them to learn kind of on their own. But that doesn't hold when you're making software for 50 people and you know those 50 people. Um, so for example, um, uh, every single new user of my social network site, um, I do a one to three hour onboarding process with. Um, so I usually either meet with them in person if they're in my area, or I call them and we do a video chat. And uh, I ask them what they want from the social network site. And if I already provide that sort of thing, great, I can show them those features. I ask them what their safety concerns are, and then I can show them how to um, you know, change their security settings, for example. Uh, this would be, you know, uh, take um, Facebook's security settings, right? They're very complicated and actually very powerful, but you know, the average person looks at them and, and their head starts to spin and they don't really know what to set to make themselves safe. But if Mark Zuckerberg could sit down with every single user of Facebook and show them, oh, you want to click this and this and this, and then you'll be safe from your like weird ex-boyfriend or something, um, then it would be uh, a, much, a much easier thing to use. And they wouldn't even have to improve the interface at all, because Mark Zuckerberg would be there. Uh, <laughs> and, which would be kind of creepy, I guess. I don't know if I would in my house. But uh, the, the point is um, that, uh, that I can sit down with each individual and show them how to be safe and how to have the experience that they want on the network. And further, if they're not able to, if they're experiencing friction or whatever, they can come straight to me instead of having to knock on the door of some big corporation or whatever. And, you know, it's, it's my job and my duty to sort of help them with this sort of thing. Um, uh, and just to, just to give a shout out to, uh, to Claire Evans, uh, uh, she actually brought the work of Stacy Horn to my attention, and Stacy was doing this phone call onboarding thing 25 years ago on her own uh, small social network site, um, or online community, I guess. It wasn't called that kind of thing at that point. Um, having a small number of users means I can also deploy features that would be objectively terrible ideas on a large network. Um, this is Bugle. Uh, Bugle. There's a lot of text there for you interface designers here. This is probably the best piece of design software you've ever seen in your life. Um, Bugle has a lot of text on it, but it's okay because I tell my friends to please take the time to read the text and then I trust them to do that. Um, and uh, what this does is it's, it's a tool that lets you DM every single person on the network. Um, you wouldn't want that on Twitter. 
Like, you wouldn't want this, like, mass spam tool. Um, but, you know, on, on FriendCamp, I have this big, bold text at the bottom that says, if you use this as a joke or to spam or whatever, expect a very serious conversation with Darius. Uh, when in doubt, ask Darius if it's appropriate to send a message with Bugle. Uh, and people do. And then there's, like, three buttons you have to click to, to, to confirm before you, before you pull the trigger. Uh, and then it goes out. And, uh, and, it, and it hasn't been abused so far. You know, um, we use it to uh, coordinate our uh, server-wide movie night once a month. So we let everybody know when to watch a movie and when to press play at the same time. And then we all chat about the same movie. Uh, we also use it to coordinate our book club and our postcard club and a few other things. So, um, uh, uh, but, and we needed this tool in order to do that kind of coordination. And I was like, oh, I can't make a mass DM tool. I was like, wait, I can make a mass DM tool. It's totally fine. It's totally fine because it's a totally different kind of structure because there's, it's, it's, a, it's a literal network of trust. Um, so you can have weird features. You can have dangerous features. You can have complex features. Uh, and that only can, I think it only can work if your core assumption is we're never going to scale. Um, so this is one of the things that I have learned from running FriendCamp for, uh, for a year, and it's been, it's really changed the way that I have, uh, uh, be, uh, it's changed the way I think about software, basically, uh, especially social software. Um, another point that I want to make, uh, is a little bit more of a polemic one, but like, I, I go to a lot of events, especially, uh, around the decentralized web, or like, get off of Facebook, get off of Twitter, or that kind of thing. And um, there's a lot of um, moralizing that happens uh, when people try to convince people to, to like leave Instagram or leave Facebook or, or I guess they're the same thing or whatever, right? Um, <laughs> uh, leave the big centralized corporate networks. Um, and when you ask them why, they go, oh, well, it's good for your privacy, right? You'll have better privacy if you move to something where, you know, your friend controls all that data instead, for example, right? Um, or you'll, you know, you're, you know, you'll, uh, if you move to some kind of, like, cryptographically secure thing that's more private, that kind of thing. Um, but to me, that's like saying, eat your vegetables. You know, it's like, it's, uh, in fact, um, uh, Mozilla, who I did this fellowship with, they use this whole metaphor of, of uh, uh, internet health, that's like their metaphor, and it's like talking about healthy internet, and uh, not just a healthy internet, but like sort of healthy internet hygiene on the parts of like individuals. And to me, that only gets you so far. You're gonna like, you're gonna reach a, a, a small number of people who are very concerned about that sort of like your, your digital hypochondriacs, basically. Um, uh, but you're not gonna reach anybody else. What, what people want, the reason why people are on the internet is to like have fun and talk to their friends and like have a good time. That's why I'm on the internet, and that's why I think a lot of people are on the internet, uh, even if it's not the experience that they have. There's that hope that maybe one day you will have fun on the internet. Um, and, and your friends and family are there and all that sort of thing. And, uh, and so, you know, at least you're on these websites because you believe that they, they enrich your life, even if they don't enrich your life. But at least you believe that they do. That's why you're on there. Um, or you, you have to because it's your job or something. But... Um, uh, but I think for a lot of people, it's really just they want a good life like that. Uh, and so uh, I try to talk about the benefits of like how you can have better friendships by moving off of these networks and onto different kinds of networks. So like when I, uh, I encourage people who are interested in this kind of uh, technology to, um, uh, to think about it. And then my, uh, my last bit is that, um, you know, uh, this actually, 
I won't go into this too much because I think actually Charles covered it very well in his, in his talk but, uh, about, the, about the town squares and that sort of thing. But uh, uh, friend camp, you know, I really see as the equivalent of like a community center or that kind of thing. Charles used the phrase sense of ownership. For me, it's like a pride in place, you know. Uh, 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 we're building a place together that we can be proud of. Uh, and we have actual ownership over the physical infrastructure and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, and so to me, it's like a, a small community center where we can you know, uh, have fun, but also come up with interesting ideas, and we can flip the switch and, and move it out into the wider internet. And um, I don't know, it's just, uh, it's worked out really well for me and my community. Uh, if you go check out Run Your Own Social, you'll get more details about how it's worked for me. Uh, and again, here's how uh, you can get in touch. Uh, thank you very much for listening, and uh, uh, yeah, hopefully I can talk to you after this as well out in the halls.